Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we discuss the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies. Okay. <laughs> uh, sometimes you have achieve... to give John Williams a kickback I hope for not. the opening here. Sometimes we achieve outstanding parries, as you well know, David, but other times we t- use the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I'm predicting a little bit of failure. We're doing something a little different <laughs> today. We're going to do the entire indiana jones franchise my name is joe hilliard of course every week joined by dave gurney and i'm so excited about our guest who didn't even need to rewatch the films he said he knows all the indiana jones movies back and forward he is returning his name is sean mcclain sean hey how's it going buddy good how are you doing thanks for having me we're doing great yeah we're ready to do this i've spent the last i don't know four or five days re-watching every single raiders of the lost ark i'm sorry rather indiana jones film yeah, what an interesting experience this has been. Yeah, and we'll get into it as we go. Um, but why don't we get some beer in our glasses? Yes, we need to do that, Joe. I feel I feel like I'm going to need to call in some special forces uh, on on this one. That's why uh, Joe has brought us the Mercenary Double IPA from Odell Brewing. I know we've had Odell on the show oh, yeah, before. Many times stalwarts of the uh, American craft beer scene. We've we've seen them with wide distribution for at least the last decade. And I know when they came into our market, it was something that I was excited about. But as with everything, right, you take it for granted over time. You don't go back to it as much. This is probably the first Odell beer I'm going to have in a little while. I love the idea of the mercenary here, works with the films we're going to be talking about. Um, And as they describe it, this double IPA is brewed with a blend of hops containing the highest levels of myrcene, a component of essential oils in the hop flower. This double IPA prevails with a tropical fruit-like flavor, a pungent floral aroma, and a clean getaway. We'll see if all that holds true. I do remember having this back in the day and liking it, but it's been probably at least five years. I like it because there's a picture of a guy in a uh, with a motorcycle and a sidecar. Yeah, filled with loot. Well, looked, that works. I looked up the um, definition of mercenary, and in its adjective form, a mercenary is primarily concerned with making money at the expense of ethics. And maybe <laughs> I don't know. There's a few characters in the films that we intend on discussing that fit that bill. I think you're right. Uh, I was with Sean in Houston yesterday, and I passed along a version, a, rather a can of each of the beers we're going to have today. So Sean, crack yours open and let's uh, get our noses in it and, you know, get all snobby. Oh man, the the hops here are just over the top. I, you go in for a sniff, right? And it's as dank as it gets. Yeah. And I think these are fairly fresh cans. If I was reading the date correctly, I think it was May, okay, which good. is only a couple, well, maybe six, seven weeks away from right now. That's pretty good. That's pretty good fresh for us. Sean, you texted us and said you were at a pool party. Had you already cracked yours open? I did. Uh, I've already, already had it. You've already consumed this one. Okay. Okay. Well, let's just, we're going to dive in. Yes, right? We're, do- we're doing five movies today we're going to start of course with the og raiders of the lost ark 1981 takes place in 1936 david sean i feel like everyone knows these movies so i don't know how much we need to synopsize right i i would agree i mean it's so well i think i think into our dna you know at least at the level of just the basic premise i mean the 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 funny thing is i think too i know we have some younger listeners i i I don't know they they didn't grow up with it in quite the same way as we had or even you guys maybe even more perfectly positioned for this franchise oh my god this movie came out when i was nine 
yeah. my parents took me to it at the theater, and it, it I remember it being life-changing. If ever there was a film made for nine-year-old boys, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, is, is definitely the film. Okay, well, I found this online. An epic tale in which an intrepid archaeologist tries to beat a band of Nazis to a unique religious relic which is central to their plans for world domination. Battling against a snake phobia and a vengeful ex-girlfriend, Indiana Jones is in constant peril, making hair's breadth escapes at every turn in this celebration of the innocent adventure movies of an earlier era. And I mean, I don't know. Let's throw I'm gonna throw a card on the table. I have said it before on this podcast. This movie is tied for the best action movie ever made. I tie it along with Die Hard. I think this is my favorite movie of all time. Raiders of Lost Ark is so there's no contender or it's not tying with anything which is interesting because as we get to the other films there you would assume that the ranking Raiders is always number one and for a lot of people it's not we probably talk about that more but it's I mean to me it's just a perfect movie and I know that I hit it at the right spot same age nine uh just blew me away didn't go went into it not knowing what it was going to be uh not having even a reference point for you know the things that it was re- that it's referencing like all the serials and stuff like that we didn't grow up seeing those things right so it's totally a new experience yeah that uh, it's interesting because for me i came to raiders a little bit retrospectively because it came out in 81. I was two going on three. I was not yet at the point where I could really take things in like this. Um, and it wasn't until Temple of Doom came along, which we'll be talking about in a moment. I don't want to step on that, but that I really had my first formal introduction to Indiana Jones as this experience at the movie theater. And th- that's I have a different perspective on those films. I love Raiders of the Lost Ark. I do think it has so much going for it, but it never was my favorite Indiana Jones film because by the time I had seen it, sure. I had already been wowed by the experience of seeing Temple of a Doom. A couple of others. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in fact, let's do a little pimp in here up front. Uh, join us on Discord, and that's the, the easiest way to do that is probably to DM us, but if you search Beer in a Movie, the conversation continues on Discord, you can find it. But even more than that, our After Hours, our Patreon subscriber link, um, that's uh, patreon.com slash beer in a movie podcast. I, let's, why don't we rate, rank the films at that point? <laughs> and, and let's not be too yeah. rulesy about it. If something comes out, something comes out. You already know what my number one and probably Sean's is going to be. But I mean, in rewatching it recently, I do not hold back from this hyperbole. I mean, it is still just as good as it ever was. Now, watching them all in a row, Mm -hmm. it's not a fault of the film, but I will get into kind of how I think a a couple of the other films handle the third act better than this Mm -hmm. one does. But this movie, as you said, Sean, no point of reference outside of maybe Star Wars and Harrison Ford's star wattage at this point that this film is made. Spielberg as a name at the point that this film is being made. It was a different era of 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 what block of the summer blockbuster is going to be mm-hmm. than we are now right. with so with a dozen of them you know ready for the taking every single summer a dozen or more they were just figuring out the formulas yeah this movie helps write the formula in so many ways right you know I guess when I talk about the reference point first of all is the old time serials that people would go see I guess in the thirties and forties that this is this is sort of based on and in growing up we didn't really have any 
things similar to that. Star Wars was sort of picking up on that kind of thing, but this was a more grounded type thing. You know, it existed for the most part in the real world, but it does start to set up some certain things that we get used to seeing in action film. Well, some are blockbuster movies. I mean, first of all, the opening sequence, which is, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like let's let's start in the action. Let's have a, an action sequence and, and get get right to it, rather than have a, a long buildup to something else happening. Talking about the opening temple scene in South America, where we're introduced to Indiana Jones and uh, and his rival right away, mm-hmm. and just you know, sort of that breakneck pace of just things happening and getting thrown at you. And I think a lot of movies now do follow that that formula it's like we gotta we can't we can't ease into it we gotta we gotta hit the ground running with something really actiony happening and we've never seen this person we don't know this character right and right it, there's no it, reference point for him we don't know yeah. who he is. and what do we learn immediately he is cunning he can figure out the clues of the booby traps he's um got his whip that uh-huh. will get him out of a situation uh that whip by the way as the films go on i want to learn how to use a whip to where when you whip something that you're then going to swing from you just wiggle it and it comes right off but yeah. when supporting your full body weight there's really no questions to be asked yeah no the physics of it are are just beautiful and no no it's like <laughs> you have to have archimedes dial to make it work but still oh, we'll you get know, there, figure yeah, it without a doubt uh you know, I hear where you guys are coming from, and it does. I think this is part of that first wave of huge summer blockbusters did help set the tone. Though I think the thing that stands out to me in thinking about Raiders and, and what it inspired and what it – it's amazing. It did obviously become a franchise unto itself. Yeah. But I don't know if it was as successful at being a template for other like action-adventure characters you know what i mean like indiana jones kind of stands separate we didn't get like a whole series they tried in fact when i saw this at alamo they were showing some uh trailers for other indiana jones knockoffs you know now romancing the stone was included in there not that it's a knockoff it is it is a knockoff it was coming in its wake but it was taking it in the romantic comedy direction we've talked about that on the show elsewhere had something unique and kind of had its own subgenre, but like Alan Quartermain and the city of Lost Gold, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right. which Sharon Stone was in. Okay. <laughs> you know, like the, she, she's Karen Allen in that movie. <laughs> right. But that were like these mid-level, basically like break-even kind of ventures. And then it got worse from there and Canon releasing did a ton of them. And right. they were all like, so it never really inspired like a whole thing. They were drawing from something that they had known Lucas and Spielberg that they had known that they were in love with from their childhood, these kind of action adventure serials, but it was pretty unique for its moment. And as a throwback to that, and it didn't really take off in the way that, so it's interesting to me, like this does kind of stand alone in my head in terms of summer blockbusters this didn't touch off like the you know superhero films like you mm-hmm. had that kind of series it doesn't touch off like a um sci-fi b- mm-hmm. big scale you know but th- it does its thing it's do- it does its thing really well um and and i think it does set in motion a lot of things that it follows from there on out 
Yeah, it, I mean, for, and certainly in the franchise. Yeah. I, I like the introduction of Karen Allen, and we learn as we go that he's always going to have a female love interest that's tagging along kind of thing. Right. She's doing more than tagging along here because we learn that it's her father and the father's relationship with Indy that, that sets up the idea that the relic that we're going for, and there's always a relic, right? The, the right. Uh, lost, the Ark of the Covenant. Um, there's always a villain, right? A group of villains, and it's Nazis a lot in this franchise, which we'll get into. Three but, times. <laughs> but here it's Nazis, and they want this arc uh, using Belloc, who's just going to be a mercenary, really, yeah. to uh, help them retrieve it. But little do they know that when he's not chase, being chased by boulders or being, you know, poison darts going at him, uh, Harrison Ford's an academic. And it sets up this notion of we're going to have a little flashback, See, not a flashback, but a, a call to what he does for a living which is he's a, a college professor, a much uh, adored yeah. college professor by the females. In, in the in first the film, it's interesting how that changes. Yeah. So yeah, Raiders, he is right. definitely the beloved. They're fawning over him. They've painted love you on their eyelids. When I, he, yeah, right. right. So I, I was going to say the introduction <laughs> of the female character here, Karen Allen, in a drinking, sh taking shots contest with mm -hmm. someone twice her size and winning and the introduction of the villains here. Uh, help me with the character's name that gets his hand melted. Tot, I think yeah. is it's T O H T. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Sean, let's uh, unlock. All right. Good. Was going to look it up, but Sean knows all of this like an encyclopedia. I love the setups of everything in this movie and the payoffs as, you know, he burns his hand. That's just a little one off. Uh oh, he's gone. But no, the hand comes back where they've got only one side of that pennant. Mm -hmm. it's, it just comes together so beautifully. There's so many little moments in it, too. And and this is this is going to bleed into a little bit about how it compares to the others. There's one of my favorite scenes is the beginning when they go back. Uh, he's back at the university. It's after that love you eyeliner <laughs> scene <laughs> where they're talking with the government agents and how they're kind of talking over each other a little bit and, and like interrupting and explaining. And it's, it's such a great way of setting the table for what without over explaining everything that's going to happen in the movie. It, it's like, there's great set pieces in this, but the 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 way it comes together with some of the dialogue in between, some of the quieter moments are just great. Like the um, jumping ahead to where they are translating the headpiece of the staff of Ra, and it's the part where the um, the dates are are poisoned. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. somebody's trying to poison uh, Indy, and you know the monkey unfortunately dies. But it's just. It's kind of a quieter scene. You see some mystery going on, but it's, you know, it's building. It's just these little quiet things that that happen that are as exciting in some ways as some of the explosive parts of the movie, like, you know, the plane literally blowing. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I do think that Raiders probably has the most control over its tone i think and and in in a pretty impressive way i think last crusade approaches it well now we're getting into comparing things but th right. that it doesn't go as maximalist as some of the other fil <laughs> films go or just dipping into the 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 high drama and and i do think that raiders earned some points for that i mean there was it's amazing to see the confidence that it seems like spielberg had even at this relatively early point in his career where he'd had some huge successes sure. you know jaws close encounters but had just come off of a big kind of flop yeah. right yeah I mean, th so th this was yeah. like him proving himself to a certain extent. But it's, it, I mean, the guy had 
the goods. <laughs> we know that, right? Right. And, right. Know, and the things that uh, indie fans love about these movies are taking us to far off exotic locales. Yeah. Uh, locales usually uh, uh, shown with a map and the red line of how they're traveling. Yeah. Uh, and then what we also know about an Indiana Jones film, and we'll talk about all of these, is the uh, explosive action sequences that are peppered throughout usually two or three or four in a movie uh indy hanging off the truck indy being drugged by the truck with his whip um that whip always coming in handy uh the um the, the it has a locking mechanism where you can put it on the the axle yeah he's got a button on the handle yeah drag you maybe he has a button right. on the handle i hadn't thought about that and then he's yeah. got the uh the market bazaar with the infamous been talked to death scene of the swordsman flailing the sword right. around and him just quickly shooting him and getting out of the problem but then when you think he's succeeding the 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 sunlight going through the amulet onto the, the da, 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 then there's always going to be a twist and they throw marion back down and right. then he's got to get out of yet another scrape and right. every single one of these in raiders just always builds and builds and builds to me to just the most satisfying place yeah yeah there's there's something too that um i, I mean i think this is well known that spielberg and lucas i think were trying to negotiate to to direct a bond film and they were turned down or they didn't get it i and i don't remember the details of it but they they wanted to do that and indiana jones does parallel some of the structure that you see in a, a, a james bond film except that he james bond is always suave and smooth yeah. and unflappable and everything works out and even in Raiders, I mean, you see it more and more as it progresses as he gets older. But even Raiders, he winces a lot. He's like, yeah, kind of delicately holding places where he's been injured. He he gets his ass kicked, <laughs> but you know he doesn't always get the upper hand on. Yeah. The now he he'll ultimately outsmart them. But he's very very physically human, especially in this one. I mean, he's he does some things I don't think many people could do, but he um, but he's not as polished. And I think that's what makes it, I mean, part of it, I think, is where some of the humor comes in because, you know, you kind of see some funny moments uh, that come out of, like, the physical pain that he's going through, like, in the scene on the ship where he and Marion are, like, you know, like, he's getting her to kiss his wounds. But um, it's, yeah, it's they, definitely they sneak in the, uh, the romance with the humor there, too. That's, I mean, that, yes, that, that exactly. is a... Uh, a very nicely pulled off scene to this day, right? You see, you see that rewatching it. I have great um, admiration for the comic timing and, and how that whole sequence goes down and Karen Allen. Like, I know we kind of said, are we going to speculate about who our favorite, I, nobody's going to beat Karen Allen for me in this franchise. Yeah, I mean, she's, I'll just come right yeah. out there and say that. No, I completely Well, agree. she's also in three of the five. So yeah. Yeah, sure. Of, but even if she was only in Raiders, I, I, and comparing to the yeah. other two, that would, you know, but to Sean's point, in the history of Indy, she clearly is the most important of the females that he comes across in in the film. Yeah, yeah, uh, right. Later married, etc. So, I, I mean, to me, it's all about script. This film is such a good script. Um, I have a copy of the shooting script, which I meant to bring out. I'll bring it out here in a second. That um, our buddy Seth. Uh, his father it was given to him by Kim Hinkle the screenwriter of oh, wow. Texas Chainsaw Massacre and it's like Joe 
this home, the home for this script is with you. Mm-hmm. It makes so much sense. Cause when he showed it to me, he's like, I'm reading this script. And I read it like front to back real quick. And what's interesting is in the shooting, Lawrence Kasdan in the sh- shooting script that does not translate to the actual film is right. Indy's a drunk. They had more of that in uh, there. He period. Like oh, he's wow. always got a hip flask. He's always taking sips of, you know, whatever's in that flask. Uh, and he's a lot more um, angry and mean to, huh. to the female Interesting. in, in the huh. in this script and that does not they those were i think wise decisions to make him a more likable guy right but um and then also in the script like we talked about last week with the apartment are the setups that aren't exposition heavy and then the payoffs snakes there's mm-hmm. a snake in the in the plane at the very beginning i hate right. snakes jake and then when he's tossed into the pit of snakes Another theme that I'm sure we'll talk about as we go, the rodent, pest, vermin, Mm. uh, insects that he encounters in each film, it's snakes here. And done so, so well, because the moment that those torches go out, they're dead. Yeah. And they get out by the whiskers on his chinny chin chin. (laughs) Uh, So let's talk about the supernatural element. There's always one, right? The idea that if you just close your eyes and don't witness this majesty (laughs) that God is going to show. It reinforced all my all my thoughts as a kid. If I just close my eyes, the monsters can't get me. And and that Indiana Jones proved it to me. By the way, Joey, it's uh, I don't want to be that guy. uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. It's Jock. It's Jock as in Jock Lindsay, not Jake. So who's the pilot? Oh, Jock. I only know that because in one of the most ridiculous, yeah, one of the most ridiculous things they have at Disney World, a Jock Lindsay's hangar. It's a bar (laughs) built around that character who probably nobody knows the name of, but it's, it's a restaurant that you can actually go to and get different cocktails based on Indiana Jones. I'm not going to compete with you today, Sean. (laughs) It's not a competition. I just, you know, it's not a competition when I win. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. So what do you think? I mean, Raiders of the Lost Ark, everyone knows that everyone loves it. Y'all ready to move on? Yeah. I I would say, you know, I, I would just to put a bow on it for myself, a classic action adventure film that, you're you're going to enjoy with with the asterisk and and i'll probably make this point about the entire franchise that a lot of it presumes that it is the work of men of the west to go out through the world and gather all of the artifacts of the world and and take them and protect them because only the white learned man can really appreciate and understand the value of these ancient artifacts it's almost as if you know we're about to talk about temple of doom (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I didn't realize until I did started doing research for the episode. I did not know this until this week that Temple of Doom is a prequel. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. I had not picked up on it myself from the films, but at some point reading about it, it was probably when Crystal Skull was coming out. I remember reading an article where it made that point that actually it jumped back in the chronology. He hasn't. uh, Yeah. It's interesting because clearly he's got a love interest in this film. Kate Capshaw, the Mm -hmm. um, uh, what's her name in the, in the movie. Yeah. Willie Scott. If you think it's a sequel, it is a sequel. Technically it was made after. It works fine as a sequel. You don't have to. uh, Three years. uh, 1984, three years after the original, but set in in 1935, one year prior to the original. 
uh, he's that he's that James Bond womanizer, different girl in every movie. Right. Uh, but no, actually, she he gets with Willie prior to reconnecting with Marion, it turns out. But anyway, let me read what I found online. Adventure sequel, intrepid archaeologist Indiana Jones on the trail of fortune and glory in old Shanghai is ricocheted into a dangerous adventure in India. With his faithful companion Short Round and the nightclub singer Willie Scott, Indy goes in search of the magical Shankara stone finds three stones and uncovers an ancient evil, which threatens all who come into contact with it. Where do we begin? I said before, and I'll just quickly put in there again, that this is the first Indiana Jones film that I ever saw. Mm -hmm. This, this, that I recall, this is the one that I saw in the theater. I would have been about five years old. Okay. You saw six. Wow. Five or six. Yeah. Seeing it in the theater. (laughs) Were your parents, some of the ones that wrote letters and got the PG 13 (laughs) creation? (laughs) <laughs> no, they were totally fine with it. They, they, but but they were sitting alongside those folks, I'm sure. Um, we all were. The, the reality was very impactful film, obviously, right? There is some pretty graphic stuff that goes on in this. It gets dark in, in some ways that Raiders doesn't. And it made a very deep impression on me for those reasons. It, it I think this one, to me, of all of the films still, comes across as the most comic book-like. There is like an exaggerated hyperbolic quality mm-hmm. to this film that that is there in the others too, but here to such a degree. And I guess going back to what Sean was saying about Raiders and, and how it kind of had this ability to be very, very deliberate about using softer, quieter moments to sort of balance some of those bigger, more bombastic moments. This film feels like a lot of bombast coming at Hudson. you. <laughs> I mean, maybe yeah. the scene where uh, Willie and uh, Indy are now in the Indian temple. Right. Indian uh, uh, palace, rather. Yeah. And they're discussing who's going to break first to come back across the but hall. But even so that, that is so high-pitched because, because she a fight. is... Yeah. She is the worst character in all the franchise. E- easily. <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there. Yeah, that movie does not really slow down at all. I mean, it, it, and it by the end, by the third act, it's literally almost like a theme park yeah. ride, you know, with the runaway mine cart and, uh, and that sort of thing. And so I would have been nine when I saw it. And also it made a huge impression on me. And I do remember... What no, really hold on, Sean? It came out in '84. '84. So yeah. wait a minute. I would okay. Twelve. Yeah, that I mean, sound right. That's what it was. I remember that was much cooler being, than that. At okay. 12. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Well, I just remember being freaked out by the heart ripping out. Scene. Yeah, that's pretty intense. I don't care uh, what age you are if you haven't seen to, it. Well, to the point where, I mean, I saw it probably 19 times in the theater. <laughs> it came out. <laughs> that's what you did, but. I remember having to leave during knowing it was coming up. I'm like, I don't think I can handle that again. Is that right? So, uh, and this is the guy yeah, that had that, all that kinds was really of rough. This is a guy that had all kinds of horror movie posters all over his wall in eighth, ninth grade. But I think that the middle, the second act and the third act are basically a horror movie. And, and I oh, understand yeah. the out. I do understand the outcry of parents who had taken their kids to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. or maybe saw Raiders of the Lost Ark and then took their kids to the new Indiana Jones movie right. saying, my God, this is horrific because it is the drinking of the blood yeah. out of the skull's mouth and yeah. Indy turning into evil Indiana yeah. Jones. And 
uh, him being whipped and short round being whipped and um, yeah. the voodoo dolls. I mean, it was scary. That, that evil uh, child uh, emperor or whatever right, that you know, like the Maharaja. Yeah, the right. Yes, uh, the, cre- creepy yeah. as, as all fuck. Yeah. Well, he's he's technically he's not evil. He's he drank the blood of Kali right. as well, so he's That's under right. the same sway as right. he is briefly but right it was but i mean that sort of that sort of uh horrific transformation of a you know of a benign character into the you know to a monster i mean into the hero and there's a part where in it where when they first he first drinks the blood he's lying in a room with candles around yes. him just having hallucinations and yeah that's pretty he's transforming um, into the evil indiana jones right yeah that's weird i guess uh i guess i was a much more sensitive 12 year old than i thought that that scene and the scene in poltergeist where the guy pulls his face off yeah. uh messed me up pretty bad so those are those uh, are rough ones yeah and just overall i mean it's a you know potentially very traumatizing movie because they're so there's so many kids involved that are yes, getting the child, the and, slaves. Yeah. And yet this one feels in a weird way of all of them. This feels like the one that was intentionally made more for kids, because if you think about it, well, I mean, yeah, Rares of Lost book, Ark, yeah. yeah, like Rares of Lost Ark is, is an adult movie. I mean, there's no like no kids in it. There's no, you know, I mean, it's hard to imagine, but I could imagine there's some kids that are, you know, not into that into a you know a movie like that because it, it has some adult things going on sure but uh temple of doom seems like it's made to sell like like almost like it's made to you know some like you know toy tie-ins and things but it's just so uh <laughs> brutally uh violent <laughs> for PG we, negle- we neglected to mention another thing that's in most of i think the indiana jones films and that is the paramount logo with the mountain transforming into right. a a, a set piece yeah in the first movie it's uh the paramount logo directly into a mountain that looks just like it in south africa here it's that same mountain on the gong in the prologue which firms up this thing that sean was talking about where there's always a prologue in the first movie the prologue was loosely connected because we met belloc Mm -hmm. but in this one it is the care it is the almost essential introduction of the female lead in the film uh willie and when he jumps out of the building into the car short round, we meet uh, many characters that are going to kind of follow along on this adventure. But the prologue is separate in that the rest of the film takes place in a dirty, grimy yeah. Indian palace and then right. coal mine. But here it's set with a, uh, Indiana Jones wearing a tuxedo, very James Bond-like. Yeah. The very fun, I think, I think fun cat and mouse game with the lazy Susan, yeah. where there's the relic that goes over to the bad guys. The bad guys <laughs> deliver a drink and then diamonds as payment, but then the drink has been poisoned. So now we have to deliver the antidote. And then the Scrambling, diamonds and yeah. the antidote are on the ground after a musical number, by the way. And that uh, opens up the film. Opens up a slap. Partially right. instructs the title for the only time in the franchise. The only time in the yeah. franchise that it the does. title card is not the font that we see in every other right. film that's true it's very it, well it, it almost seemed like it was deliberately designed to up in the expectations the audience had because you, know, you start out raiders and he's in south america gritty it's you know it's already kind of scary and all of a sudden you know you're seeing him very well i mean first of all i mean i'm sure 
when I was 12 going to see it and it starts out with a musical number, I'm probably thinking to myself, like, what movie is this that we walked into? I, I, you know, I, I want I'm not my here money for a back. I want to see. I didn't. Yeah, I want to. Yeah, I want to see yeah, some. No. <laughs> but uh, now I actually really appreciate it for what it is. But by the way, speaking of something that always kind of made me wonder with the whole, I do like the lazy Susan negotiation with the diamonds, the, the poison, and then the antidote. If their intention was to poison Indiana Jones, why they even bring the antidote? Like what was, what was the game plan? That's the ploy. That's the, look, we've made you drink the poison. If you, you need to give up the thing that we want okay. because we have the antidote. It was, a, it was their last bargaining. It's chip. very movie. Yeah, but why it's not just, movie. I mean, they were willing to kill him. Just let him die. Just take the diamonds. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Well, no, that's so, true. I, I don't yeah, know. just I mean, kill the guy. But then yeah, we right. wouldn't have a movie, Sean. <laughs> I, I know, but okay, so, they, well, listen, they need an opportunity. The, the Chinese have a very sort of melodramatic way about. Yeah. Oh, come on, this this is a film that has some bad stereotyping. It's how effectively to deal with the races of the world. Uh, but but the opening, I remember making a big impression too, and again still one of the standout musical numbers of my yeah. childhood because not many films had musical numbers mm -hmm. in the 80s right i mean it was it was funny to have a film open that way that or chitty chitty bang out. bang that was 70s <laughs> yeah that might have <laughs> all of us uh the bugs and the booby okay yeah. this is my favorite of all of the bugs vermin pests that we encounter in any indiana jones film Feel like I stepped on fortune eating? cookie. Oh, oh well, well, hold on. Yeah, you're right. We got to get back to that. But the the bugs and all of the different types of bugs. We see centipedes. We see, I don't even know, those leaf-looking bugs on yeah. her hand. Uh, her having to stick her hand into yeah. the bugs to fact to yeah. get the, the lever that yeah. will release them from there's two, there's two dead people out here. There's gonna be two dead people in here. <laughs> so snappy we and fun nonstop. Yeah. yeah, and and uh, I mean, it, there's so many times in the films that Harrison Ford gets to be comedic, yeah, and that that right. look that he gives, we are going to die, and then his face changes into like, you know, yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, I do agree with you, David. Getting back to something you said that Willie Scott is the worst of all of. She's just so maybe not the worst character ever, but certainly the worst of his female love interests in. That's not even true. What's coming up? Never mind. She's just a bad character. I get it. She's supposed to be a spoiled brat. She's supposed to be yeah, but used supposed to, the to also want to want like her by the end, right? Because she ends up with Indy, at least you know, at least in this, yeah, right. I mean, they close the film that way. So, like, I'm led to believe the film doesn't want me to just hate her, right? As it goes on, but she's the there's more, not a lot there. It's just it's it's such an annoying character yeah. and and helpless and just unself aware like doesn't know how she's coming off to the audience it, it's yeah. just a weird sort of uh thing yeah let's go back to chilled a monkey brain <laughs> as a child oh man seeing that scene oh yeah i was blown away you sure it yeah. captivated every bit of fantastical awesomeness that i could have ever thought about because it doesn't stop yeah, it's the snake surprise, and then the eyeball soup, and then the, <laughs> by the time you get the chilled monkey brains, and they take you, it should in. just Bella Lugosi should get, just come out at some point right. and lift the like bubbling cauldron. Ooh, it, it was so yeah delightful. Yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, that's definitely a favorite part. It also you can see that they wanted to. 
you see this in other series too. You see some in Star Wars where they go, okay, the first one we had snakes. We got to take it up a notch. What what else do people get scared of? Like gross bugs, weird eating, weird foods, things like that. Like, and you know, then it becomes just a staple of uh, you know, uh, not to get ahead of ourselves, but it'll be you know rats in the next one. It'll be uh, you know, it's always going to be something uh, something creepy and crawly, but it gets exponentially over the top as you go because in in Raiders of the Lost Ark you know there's obviously the snake in the cockpit of the plane and then there's this uh the uh I think it's the well of the souls where all the snakes are and there's a lot of snakes but then when you go in that that dungeon or the 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 passageway I mean it's wall-to-wall bugs and and it's got to be I I assume it's mostly real bugs too because I mean this is pre-digital era so like I mean, were people constantly getting stung, or did they have to corral bugs that are non-poisonous? Or the whole movie feels like we're gonna take everything that people that we think people liked from the first one, and we are gonna crank it up so yeah. hard that people won't, won't believe what they're what they're seeing. And I think it kind of also leads to. I mean, this movie gets a lot of backlash for it. It's it, a lot of before the two newer ones came out. This was widely regarded as the worst of the the original three. Mm-hmm. And when I was younger, that kind of surprised me because I was like, I, okay, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, it's not as good as the original, but, but I mean, there's a lot of things that, I mean, there's things that are culturally not sensitive at all in it. I mean, there's some not great uh, you know, portrayals of things that um, it, there was apparently a lot of controversy about. Like, they were not allowed to film it in India. The government right. didn't want it. They're uh, in Sri Lanka when they're filming and, as India. Yeah, right. And and there's things just looking through it now through a you know modern day lens. I'm like, yeah, I can I can see not against Kate Capshaw, but the Willie Scott performance while it might have been entertaining to them when they were creating this character, it does, it, she does not hold up very well. She's not, you can do an annoying character who's entertaining, but you can't make an annoying character who is also just annoying. It, it, it doesn't work. I mean, they need yeah, to there's no, there's no charming in her angle to the character. Well, she's right, also, right. The, she's also the brand of intolerance in the film while Indy's saying, these people haven't eaten. This is more food yeah, than yeah, they've yeah. eaten in These a week. Only, only, You're yeah. going to just eat it. Yeah. You're embarrassing me. Yeah. And I think that the cultural insensitivity, insensitivity of the film when it came out was noted by the Indian yeah. community who was very loud right. about, we love representation in film, but why are we always this? Yeah. And they're not wrong. Yeah. Um, right. We have the conversation on this show so many times when we go back and see that something that was captured on film before was wrong, quote unquote. How do we handle that today? Yeah. And I think we handle it with like, like we always do. And that is saying that was wrong, but that was a piece of art at that time. And I can also admire the art artistry and art of it. But watching it now as a 12 year old, I would have been lost to all of that. These yeah. are just characters in a movie yeah. and they speak with a funny accent and they wear I funny mean, clothes, you, but you, you can make the case that look the, the, in the first film, they're dealing with this like supernatural Christianity. Right. I oh, mean, it's interesting. It's, 
right? I mean, they are. Yeah. It's like this idea that the Christian faith has these ghosts and and goblins sure. and stuff. And Supernatural they can, lore. Right. And so the, the, you play that out in the first film. Is it really necessarily culturally insensitive to bring it to a different cultural context? I don't know. That, but could they have done it better? Certainly. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, the villagers are kind of, I mean, they're some of the best characters in the film in the sense that, like, they're being so kind and generous to Indy yes. despite having nothing themselves. They, you know, yes, they put him on this quest, but it's because they feel he's been sent to that. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, and he really has been. I mean, there is some, like, divine intervention kind of element to all these films in, in yeah. a certain way that Indiana is in the right place at the right time. So so I can, I can excuse it some of that, but I totally get why it was seen as culturally Certainly. insensitive it then was, yeah. and now to, to a great extent. Sean, you said the mine cars was almost like a theme park ride. Yeah. Are you off of it? I mean, <laughs> is the mine cars as one of those big Indiana Jones action sequences lose luster because it's it's very silly? No, I mean, I I mean, I can accept it for what it is. I mean, at the time, I mean, it's. It's obviously, you know, the physics behind it and the, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, he stops it with his shoes at, at, at some point. And, <laughs> yeah, we made know, a joke on, on the chat where Joe had right. used the word or used the spelling for break rather than, you know, we're going to take a break. Oh, yeah, and yeah. And I, and I said, no, Indy uses his shoes for breaks, not beers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Need some no, water, and, water. And I remember it being um, one of my favorite moments of it you're, you're kind of oh, looking yeah. forward to it and, it and it's a great set piece to happen near the end i mean sort of like the penultimate action sequence the you know really the last Before one the road on the road bridge, bridge yeah. is also pretty awesome they Iconic. actually yes and actually in hell. <laughs> there is a to reference disney again in california uh at one of the part i think it's a, at disneyland they have an indiana jones ride and it's not quite the mine car, but it, it definitely, the ride feels like it's built on the aesthetics used in Temple of Doom. You're in yeah. sort of a dark kind Cavern, of fire. Like there's yeah. implication that there's a, like a lava or like a, a volcano underneath and, and things like that. And you're in kind of a cart moving really quickly. That's probably what gets younger kids into it the you know the excitement of the the car so I, I don't really have a problem with it but it it what i was talking about more is just that this movie doesn't have a lot of quiet moments it doesn't give you a chance to you know catch your breath or you know no. run to the restroom if you're seeing it in theaters or anything i mean it's just no. sort of action set piece after action set piece um, and again, famously, it got the PG-13 along with Gremlins who created the re requirement, the MPAA felt that there's some kind of yeah. difference between PG and R, something in the middle. Mm -hmm. And um, that ruined movies. Okay, so, <laughs> okay, let's talk about, okay, we're going to take a break. But before we, before we do, let's talk about this mercenary from Odell. Yeah. Um, I feel like Odell, and I can't tell you why I feel this way. But I guess I'm just being subjective, underappreciated in the craft brew world. I don't buy enough Odell. I don't buy as much Odell as I should for a double IPA that is produced at the volume that they do. This beer is pretty exceptional. Like you were saying, uh, or like as we were saying earlier, I mean, th this this is a brewery that's been around for a while nationally, right? I mean, they, they've been around yeah. in Fort Collins for a while, but mm -hmm. then they've, they've been distributing pretty widely. So you take them for granted. And, and I agree, Joe, I think they got as big as they did for a reason. They know how to brew their beer. 
the double IPA is a style that I've talked about that I kind of have my problems with because it does tend to lean more on the maltier end of this, the flavor spectrum, even when it comes to IPAs, like there's definitely a hop forward characteristic, but there there's a definite multi anchor to this that does tend into the sweet level a little yeah. bit more than I want it. But that said, they have a pretty balanced one here, one that I can enjoy sipping on. I have been enjoying sipping on as we've talked. So, you know, if you're, if you're a double IPA fan, I think Mercenary still does that very well. And you're foolish if you're not picking it up. And it's available in our market, 9. which means three percent. Yeah, it must be available in yours as well. Sean, you had it at the, by the pool earlier. That's a heavy right? beer. That's for a heavy pool side. beer. Yeah, it is. It is a heavy beer. I'll be the dissenting voice, but I do like many of Odell's offerings. The issue with me is I am I'm definitely not a double IPA fan. It's just it's just a flavor that does not hit my palate right. I mean, and there's just no. I, get um, I don't know how to describe it uh, really in the, it's just too much. Some of the things that I don't like in, you know, in, in a strong IPA. So um, I can appreciate it, but it's just not my, you know, not my cup of tea, unfortunately. So, uh, and I think you're right. I don't see it talked about a lot and they are pretty consistent. I mean, I don't, I don't see it with uh, mention Odell mentioned as much as some of the other craft uh, brewers out there. I agree. I mean, it's, 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 I think it's, that's, it's, it's all about like marketing and brand it's awareness. Tough. And, and yeah. there's so much local these days for most folks to, to be trying for. So like the idea of being a national craft brewery is a little tougher to maintain. It's, I, I get it. I understand why there are those pressures, but nonetheless, I think the, the good thing to know is that if you have access to this and you want, this style it's a, it's a good approximation very of that. good yeah okay well we're gonna take a quick break and when we return we're gonna move on through into the rest of the franchise capping it off with the brand new out in theaters now dial of destiny stay right where you are And we're back. Okay. Just <laughs> <laughs> stay on theme. <laughs> you know, we didn't talk about that. That reminded me. I wanted to get back to actually. I'm glad you're bringing this up. The score, of course, of these films is of so course. critical. The idea that you could even have this franchise without the John Williams uh, pieces here, the Raiders theme, and all that. Like, th- th- those are just uh, indelible pieces of music that you're going to want to hear again and again. And the care he puts into the supplemental music for each film. Yep. Because the mm-hmm. score in Temple, when they're in the Temple, is is just as iconic. Well, no, not just as iconic as the Raiders' march. But but when you hear it, you know exactly what you're listening to. And mm-hmm. I heard it often when I played Temple of Doom video game, which uh, was one of my favorites when it came out. The minecart <laughs> part was just incredible. Nice. Soon, you, Malala you can, will rule the world. You can tell uh, just from the score when you hear snippets of it, which of the original three films it is, and you can identify it easily, and even the part of the movie. Um, yeah. I mean, and maybe that's just having, like I said, it's so baked into our our DNA now. I mean, just, I, you know, like me, I assume y'all both seen all three of these many, many times. 
mm-hmm. probably the yeah. most being mm-hmm. Raiders. So the yeah, the musical score, and you know, again, this comes up again in the the next two movies. You know how they're used. It, 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 I don't think it would work without the music. I mean, it's just yeah. hard to imagine almost any other score uh, for those yeah. for those movies. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And it's hard to imagine us doing another segment of the podcast without another beer in our glasses. Let's wrap it up. Joe, what are you going to do to us here? Okay, so uh, throwback to Temple of Doom. This is Avery Brewing out of Boulder, Colorado. This is their Maharaja IPA. 10% ABV, brewed with Rocky Mountain water, malted barley, hops, and they list five different, Columbus, Chinook, Centennial, Simcoe, Idaho 7, and Vic Secret. That's six different, and yeast. Very much talking about the uh, Ryan Heiskaboot of it all, but with a lot of hops in there. They have three words written down here. Let's see if they uh, follow through. Regal, Mighty, and dank your favorite david <laughs> a good dank ipa right, hey let bring it on we're we're already in that double territory from the mercenaries so we might as well just dank it up and and go full on into this uh really amped up imperial that if we were going to put some kind of multiplier on it i'd say we're at triple levels at that's this point, the maharaja you know? maybe he like older women all right <laughs> oh wow <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> So five years later, well, I mean, yeah. I'm just impersonating short round. And we, let's say, you know what? Let's give some respect to the man. He just recently won an Academy Award. Kwan. Yeah, I mean, yeah. pretty amazing story uh, right now with that, That's which is too bad. I think if that had been timed just a little bit more ahead, like if, if he had won the Oscar a year ago, I bet they would have found a way to work short round back into this one. That would um, have been awesome. Yeah. Well. Okay, so it's Last Crusade. Yeah. Unless you want to stick your nose in here and get snobby for a second. With the beer? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Tell us what you're smelling, Joe. Not as dank as I expected when they write the word dank on the side of the can, especially after that quite dank mercenary IPA I from Odell. Mercenary is very enjoy. dank. Huh. I, I agree. In comparison, not quite as uh, profound on just the aroma as the mercenary was. Five years later, the team gets back together, 1989. But this one's set in 1938, just three years after uh, Temple of Doom. I'm sorry. I should say... Mm-hmm. Hold on. Uh, Temple of Doom, <laughs> three, three years after Raiders, yeah. Raiders is 36. This is uh, 1938. So two years after two years Raiders. After sorry. Raiders. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the intrepid explorer Indiana Jones sets out to rescue his father, a medievalist who has vanished while searching for the Holy Grail. Following clues in the old man's notebook, Indy arrives in Venice where he enlists the help of a beautiful ap- academic. But they are not the only ones who are on the trail and some sinister old enemies soon come out of the woodwork. Those um, sinister enemies, the Nazis. Nazis. <laughs> Why don't we get the crossover with Inglorious Bastards at some point? We almost, uh, you know. That's true. You know, Indiana meets Aldo Rain. That that would be, you know. <laughs> that would, yeah. So the, it's well, been it's been pitched. I'm sure somebody yeah, is. Yeah, absolutely. Going to so try the, to make that happen. That old Paramount logo transfers into a rocky spire in Utah Canyon Badlands, where the prologue, which we now understand we've got to see, is an actual flashback. A, a big flashback. A big yeah. flashback. 1918, young Indiana Jones is a, a Boy Scout or a Boy Scout type figure. River uh, Phoenix. River Phoenix. Yes. Gone too soon. Yeah. In the early drafts of the script, the man that is stealing the cross of Coronado that young Indiana Jones tries to thwart was supposed to be Marion's father. 
Oh, uh, that would make interesting. sense. Why did they not follow through with that? No you one know? knows the answer to that question. Ah. But that's exactly what young Indiana Jones and his scout trip right. stumbles into is the uh, theft of a cross that was done by the, that was left there by the explorer Coronado. And he says to his scouting buddy, that belongs in a museum. <laughs> so they, he tries, he does in fact steal it. And then the bad guys or good guys, I don't even know, or chase him into a circus train in one of my favorite Indiana Jones sequences in the entire franchise. <laughs> yeah. The, the train sequence is, is outstanding. Watched it recently. And I, um, I don't know how people regarded it at the time, but river Phoenix weirdly does work as a young Harrison Ford. Like, do you ever have that situation where you see a prequel or you see an actor playing a, a, the same character at a different age? I'm thinking best example would be Alec Guinness and Ewan McGregor playing Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. And that works. I can see it. But then you see some, like the solo. Uh, oh, movie, yeah. What, what was that? And that does name? not work. Ha- having somebody else play, you know, uh, Harrison Ford it, or play it, it, on solo. That might be a function of the age that River Phoenix is supposed to be in the film, a much, much, much younger. Well, that's true. That there's a, you're, right. you, you can be a little more forgiving with that, like just with hitting adolescent right. kind of age that people change a lot of that. But yeah, I hear what you're saying, Sean. I think he works convincingly enough. It never felt like a bad casting thing. Like even, you know, right. I guess, yeah. What I love about it is all the touches, the the birth of his phobia of snakes when he lands in the box of Beautifully snakes. Beautifully done, yeah. Getting a whip and trying to use it and cutting himself on the chin, which explains Harrison Ford's scar. Right. You know, all these little things. I, it's so bright and clean and crisp and ex- exactly as you, you need sunglasses, but like you would if you were in those, you know, Utah desert badlands. Yeah. And River Phoenix is so good. The, the introduction of his father who yeah. doesn't give him the time of day, makes him wait and yeah. then ultimately doesn't you know, side with him. I, I think this is such a perfect setup for what we're about to see. Yeah. It is interesting because it does work and it, it does something that I often don't really like in movies in which you see uh, if it's a prequel uh, you see a character get all their notable traits in yeah. the course of half an hour you know um yeah. but it, it handles handles it pretty well again reference solo i mean i think he didn't he get his name solo because he's the only occupant on a transport or something like that it's Things like that always kind of bug me a little bit. I, I like things that happen for it kind of organically, but uh, I think it does set it up. I do love the way it looks. It's it, You're right. It's so bright. It looks very different than what everything we've seen before. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of really sets up who he becomes. It's interesting because when you look at the character arc, one of the things that's notable about Temple of Doom being a prequel he is pretty mercenary then. He's like, it's, he talks about fortune and glory a lot. Thank you. you know, it's about like, yeah. let's, let's get the, let's, let's get the thing and sell the stones and get some money. And, you know, but I don't think that's who he really is as a character. And he's obviously, this does retcon it a little bit, but it's saying, you know, he, he was always about like, this belongs in a museum. It's, you know, uh, we're, we're not doing this as treasure hunters. We're doing this for, um, some you know, greater good. preservation for, and, and yeah for yeah. preservation and and everything like that so it is an important uh moment that kind of sets up how he 
well, in all the subsequent films too, you know, how he regards priceless treasures and things like that. It's not about the, uh, about the, the money and the glory and everything like that. Well, when they made the film, they were only intending, they were intending on this to be the last. So, so (laughs) what I like. They even put it in the title, right? (laughs) Exactly. This is the last one, guys. So what I like so much about it is the script. I think this script is great. And if it's the last one, let's bring back Brody and let's bring back Sala and let's deal with the emotional side of Indiana Jones really for the first time by showing the relationship with family Mm -hmm. and what caused him to be some of these ways that he is, what launched him into this path of a career and adventure and swashbuckling and the whole thing. That's what I really like about it. What I don't like about it is that when you consider (laughs) his female co-leads, like the the woman he falls in love with for the film, I believe that Elsa Schneider, <laughs> aka Allison Duty, is a horrible actress. It is bad. You bad, loved her in RRR, bad. though. You you just saw that. I yeah. did like her in RRR. <laughs> Everything about RRR, she did redeem herself a bit, but she didn't have much to do in the film. He's fine, but no horrible. A different kind of Jones girl. I mean, if we're talking about, I mean, this is a different kind of one that can't deliver dialogue. I don't even know if it's, I, yeah, maybe. I don't, I, but it, the stilted delivery doesn't bother me because she's, you know, a non native English speaker. The, the, like the, that sort of, I can forgive that. It's more the fact that it isn't too far into the film before the switch happens and you realize she's the double agent. And right. She's, but, you know, like he doesn't have any time to really build a rapport with her or for her to become like a real true, like, on the level of Mary Ally from yeah. the first film, or even Willie, who I despise more than Elsa, but but end up uh, no, no, Elsa wins the horror. Really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I hate Willie more. <laughs> yeah. Willie, yeah. wait, you She's hate a- Willie Scott more than the actual Nazi? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> and I realized that uh, saying that, you know, maybe a controversial thing, but yeah, I, I do. Both of them, but her more. Could they have cast anybody better than Sean Connery for his father, Ernest Borgnine? But other than that, no, no, I'm just kidding. No, they, seriously, yeah. They, sh- <laughs> no, I love I love Sean Connery, and bringing him into this franchise was a masterstroke. I I think. To me, a lot of why this film did get the kind of love that it did from the fans. And, you know, Sean was saying earlier that for a very long time with the three films, it was clear Temple of Doom was the worst. There was discussion, though, about whether Raiders or Last Crusade was the was the better film. Right. And I think a lot of that has to do with you bring in somebody like Sean Connery, who plays this father character with just perfectly. Comedic, wonderful comedic time. Right. That um, it, it really, it, it's a beautiful rapport that they have and it and it puts the character of Indiana Jones in this kind of perspective, you know, kind of casts it in relief where you're like, his his father had some of the same preoccupations sure. and, and kind Clearly, of yeah. obsessions, but obviously had certain lines, like he, he didn't seem to be as callous about taking human life and do it, and is sort of being shocked by the actions that his son is taking and stuff. So there's this wonderful kind of balance that comes into it that way too, that Mm -hmm. helps for me make the Indiana Jones character, both more realistic and funny and troubling that it's, it's a wonderful complexity it brings. It's hard to imagine anybody else 
doing this role, uh, playing Henry Jones Sr. And it's a testament to restraint on all our part that we're not doing the Sean Connery accent, the bad Sean Connery accent that I'm sure we're all <laughs> wanting to do. It's just bubbling under uh, the surface. We all want to slip it's, into yeah, it. Yeah, it's so hard not to do. And all three of these, of the original movies are very, very quotable. He definitely adds to that kind of, you know, verbal dictionary of Indiana Jones quotes, you know, that mm-hmm. I suddenly remembered my Charlemagne and just, there's so many <laughs> moments like that. And there is a, I mean, if you look at like different film communities, there are people who are ardently in the camp of Last Crusade is the best Indiana Jones movie, you know, no, no ifs, ands, or buts, which I find that's just a hard one for me because it's good. It's very good. It's a little too, it's not the original and it's also a little cartoony at times. And one of the things, and I was joking with you guys earlier about, you know, some of it, but the, um, so there's one thing about it. I, I don't remember the names of most of the villains and I've seen it recently. So that's a little odd. The, you know, like Belloc, you just is impossible to forget uh there's the donovan the is the american businessman who he donovan's the american but yeah there's i don't remember the name of the one who is like slapping him at the beginning they're in, in the castle and then drives the tank off of the, the edge ledge. of the cliff toward, yeah. uh, toward and that character is fun but it's it is a little cartoony like when he uh and it kind of sets up something that seems like we're going to keep having happen where he kind of looks kind of rubbery in the special effect where he's, you know, like it zooms in on his eyes. And I don't know, there's some things that kind of bother me about it being not as comic booky as, as David, as you described Temple of Doom, but there's, yeah. there's a little bit of kind of slapstick. There's the moment where they're breaking into the library and he's using the, uh, uh, the, the poster or, or whatever yeah. it is, the, yeah, the pedestal to break the, and to disguise it, he's like timing it, or it's impl- why he's timing it with the guy yeah. stamping the. Oh, the, uh, but that got such a reaction. I don't know. That, I mean, no, I seriously, my ten, my I, eleven. Sorry, she just turned eleven. My eleven-year-old who was watching this with me for, I think actually the second time, but she remembers it as her first time. She didn't remember having seen the film with me, right? And she was laughing uproariously for that. That got actually the biggest laugh out I of her it. out of anything. I liked it. I guess I'm just, of, no, I'm just saying that I'm, it, it, it was I'm funny. A to cynical witness old that. man. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, the it's cartoony. It's cartoony. Yeah. The uh, the but, to to revisit something you talked about with the bugs in Temple of Doom, Sean. The rats were bred for the film in a controlled environment, so they would all be disease free. Oh, really? That, yeah, okay. that's really taking that's care of your actors. And when she's underneath that coffin and the rats are coming in, like I feel the stakes of the danger there. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. In, a, in a way that you know that like there's bugs all over Willie and there's millipedes and centipedes and stuff going up her pajama pants, but you know yeah. she's going to be okay. That one, uh, you could feel a little bit of tension. <laughs> I, I felt. <laughs> yeah. I, right. I, do, I do believe the danger in this film for the most part, but I, I hear where Sean's coming from. It brings in, I think, some of the 
comic hyperbole in, of, Indiana Jones is a comedic Scotsman yeah, of the, of the temple of doom. But I do think it brings a little more balance into it. I think that Connery brings some of that balance. He helps to be this kind of somewhat deflating pres- presence in there at times with, with uh, the younger Jones character. And, uh, you know, t- to me, this is one that just, it feels like they kind of, finally understood all of what this character was to the audience, bringing mm-hmm. in the backstory of the right. prologue piece, tying it together, bringing in some of those characters, you know, Sala and, you know, tying it back to Raiders and then bringing back to the university that, you know, I think Joe yes. kind of made yes. that point with the Raiders. It did not happen in Temple, obviously. No, it doesn't. And and I think that's missing. I think there's something kind of cool about, oh, this is like the alter ego of this guy. And where He's the not- exposition can happen. Yeah, in a right. very you know academic-minded right. way, where it's hiding it a little yeah. bit. Yeah, but but I always love that kind of alter ego that he was this you know sort of demure professor, great tweet by dude. day, yeah. and then this adventurer when he's off on these quests. And so that, so so that was cool to see that come back. And it, I I think all of it put together makes for the most satisfying experience for me. This was the one that before this watching it with you guys this past week to kind of refresh myself for, mm-hmm. for, for recording that I had seen the most recently I in the theater I went last year oh on Alamo yes Alamo was doing a retrospective oh, nice. screening I think it was actually on Father's Day and I and I went last year and I really enjoyed it it was it was just one of those moments where I was yeah. like oh this is like perfect summertime blockbuster popcorn soda movie I, I that there is those action sequences that we've now come to learn that we can expect are amazing the boat chase is great yeah the propeller chopping up the boat <laughs> while the actors yeah. are in frame is great the sidecar chase is great the dog fight in the airplane where he shoot the the dad shoots the propeller. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, shoots yeah. the tail fin yeah. and then blames it on the the other plane. <laughs> I thought was great. And that tank action sequence I think is great. Oh, yeah. Where two things. Number one, if you're on the what becomes a conveyor belt of the tank belt, uh-huh. you're gonna get smashed. Yeah. And number two, Indy hanging off the side gun yes. and into the mountain yeah. where they're trying to smash him into those rocks. It, it, it's so good. And the dad and over Brody the cliff inside. and them not knowing that he's you know hung on to something I, there's just yeah, yeah. The, the the brody and dad are inside the tank doing their fancy stupid handshake and yeah. the pin is mightier yeah. than the sword i mean it's just while all the action is going yeah. on there's so much comedy and action all at the same time it's very quintessential this would have been a perfect climax to a trilogy right or perfect final <laughs> moment yeah 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 Indy is well, a, a comedic Scot- Scotsman, though I did not like. I don't. I did not like it on rewatch. Uh, it's so out of character. Huh. You don't. You never see anything like it again in yeah. all of the other four films. He's a chameleon. I, I do agree with you. That is one of my favorite jokes in it. Is when he shoots their. Uh, I guess their rudder. He shoots part of their plane. He says, <laughs> "Son." They got us. Just like you think he's. I'm sorry. They got us. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't care for the uh, the Scotsman with the case of the sniffles or, yeah. or whatever. I would. I would. That didn't really bother me. I would have said up top that when we rank our Indiana Jones films in After Hours, Patreon.com/slash Being a Movie Podcast, that I know the lock 
for everybody on number one, and I know the lock for everybody on number five, but now I'm not so sure. I thought the meat of the conversation was going to be two through four, but huh. now I don't know where we all stand on what our favorite Indiana Jones film is. Wow. Well, know where really? Sean is. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Well, 12 years later, the call of money, I suppose, <laughs> and the idea that uh, an audience clan. Well, what was the landscape in 2008 when? Well, King that Denver yeah, that, that was soul. What was that going was, on? Oh, 19 years later, right? Was it? Hold on, I, I thought I did the math correctly. It's uh, yeah, 89, 89 then, right? 89 in 2008. Yeah. Oh my God, you're right. Well, I don't know why I wrote that down. Okay, so almost yeah. 20. Right. So now we're in 1957. Right. And they just had to make another Indiana Jones film. And, and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade was so good. And these are such powerful players that I just, I had high expectations. I knew this was going to be some beautiful return to form. And what was Harrison Ford going to do so many years after the fact? Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Let's get into it. Yeah. Uh, here's what I found online. The intrepid explorer Indiana Jones sets out to rescue his father, a medieval... I fucking copied it. <laughs> okay. So right. uh, Indiana Jones, help me. You Okay. So <laughs> like you say, we've jumped forward in time. We are into the 1950s, right? 1957. We have Indiana Jones. I don't know. I'm not, I hadn't prepared this enough. Yeah, I know, right? It's a, Sean, help us out. It's Indiana Jones is now older and he's got a, uh, the Nazis are back, right? Nazis? Is it Nazis? No, no. No, no, this time it's Russian. It's Soviets. Soviets, It's Russian. Sorry, Nazis are coming soon. It's Russian Soviets are going, are looking for an artifact. Artifact. It's Kate Blanchett is our female uh, villain here. Yes. And they're looking for psychic warfare with uh, trying to, the, the thing that we're looking for is a, a series of, but one crystal skull right. that has that these properties, psychic properties. And we don't exactly know why. And uh, we've got the return of whom? Oh, Marion comes back. Yes. And uh, he's got a new female co-lead, Shia LaBeouf. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. I misread that. What? Um, <laughs> I, love this. I love where the Shia Crystal Skull discussion has gone already. LaBeouf comes in as Mutt the Greaser. And together he and indiana jones go on a new adventure looking for a crystal skull that's pretty good yeah oh my god mutt williams right there like uh, this this film should be called mutt williams and the what the fuck are you doing in this franchise that that is (laughs) scary (laughs) defend shia first okay he does the best he can with what he's given to do and the idea that indiana jones and marion have sired a son is Kind of interesting, you know, given that whole family dynamic thing that we're exploring in the third film, a lot of room for something to do. <laughs> hey, old man, I'm angry for no reason. What, what's your problem? <laughs> it just like, like it's, uh, I'm sure this has been made a million times, but this is, if you're a Simpsons fan, there's the Poochie episode where Itchy and Scratchy <laughs> has to boost its ratings so they gotta get a hot new edgy character named poochie 
Oh, and it classic. does not work for anybody. It well, just, it does for a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it does. Hold on. It does for a moment. It does well, for a moment. Does. I'm saying that Shia LaBeouf works here for a moment. Okay, the Paramount logo transfers into a gra- a groundhog or a gopher. Yeah, prairie mound. dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then these horrible CGI uh, prairie dog pops out of it while cars drive by. And to me, this is like a warning bell, a signal that we're going to see a bastardization of everything that we love. And to me, this film felt like when I saw it once in the theater and never watched it again until two or three days ago, same. It reaffirms the idea of what everybody knows that of the first four, because we haven't gotten to Dial yet, we'll do that in a second, Dial of Destiny, this is the worst of the four by a mile. And I, I guess now it's our someone's turn to say, well, hold on, there's some, there's something here that we can that we can well, latch on to okay. as good. Oh, Sean, Sean's so, to the Sean, rescue. So here's what I'll say. Here's what uh, I'll as say. The, as the scholar of the Indiana Jones franchise that's here with us today, when did it come out? Two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand eight, two thousand eight. In that time period, that the I feel bubble. like during in the <laughs> in the. In Is this in response to the housing bubble? I hope you can tie this into an allegory. No, no, I crash can't. I, can't, can't no. I hope so. Please, just do it. Do it. <laughs> Americans were using the iPod, and they, I, yeah, I can't even place it in the context of. But there is this thing that has happened. We've all seen it. And we've talked about it with like toxic fandom. Of that's not yeah. what I wanted. We started really seeing it in with a prequel. Uh, movies and you know people are you know George Lucas ruined my childhood childhood. and and all those things and right and then today we still deal we still deal with the rabid fandom of the the Snyderverse and I'm not commenting on the quality of the movies or anything but there's a very vocal angry this is not how I want my fill-in-the-blank favorite character to be yeah so I went at it because now what's interesting is there's a reappraisal of the Star Wars trilogy. There's kids that grew up with it and were very excited about the Obi-Wan series because they actually really loved Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. And and again, I'm not commenting one way or another on those films, but sometimes when something is new, you have to look at it and say, okay, maybe this is jarring to see different characters or my my favorite character in a different portrayed in a different way so i wanted to look at this film and give it a chance having not seen it since it came out not even once and say maybe it's okay i can't do that in this case (laughs) at all it's just it's not even to me that it's bad it's just not interesting and i would rather see something that is very interesting but a massive failure than see something that's just sort of phoned in and doesn't feel like it's really doing anything interesting you're struggling at the top of this to describe what the movie is really about and i understand the basic plot of it but i don't know i'm just not interested from yeah go ahead david well, I was just going to say it brings in aliens for the only time in the franchise, although it's it's interdimensional aliens, not necessarily intergalactic right. aliens. So, you, you know, we're not talking about that they're from someplace in space, but from another dimension, apparently. But it, it kind of harkens back to the mysterious glowing stones of the Temple of Doom sure, sure, sure. With, with this kind of mystical connection that then kind of connects to this other thing. I, it's a weird 
kind of pull into this that we have for the Jones character. And for me, it's just, I can't, and watching it again, it just hit me the same exact way that it, that it did when I was seeing it in the theater the first time. The whole Mutt Williams introduction sequence, them in that, you know, whatever it is, 50s malt shop slash beer bar. Mm-hmm. That, that, I don't right. think those existed then, but I guess they do in this film. It's just so weirdly, like, it just feels so false. And it may be that it's, to me, this kind of weirdly clear mashup of Back to the Future with uh, Indiana yeah. Jones and this like kind of setting it in the 50s and having this kind of contemporary mentality look back at that era and, and in this way that I could for the first time recognize, it just falls so weirdly flat. And it's to, to Joe's point, I don't blame that on Shia at all. It's just the way the character is written, the way it's inserted into this Indiana Jones universe, the way that they've jumped us ahead in in time and they haven't really kind of done the work, I think, of setting up who Indiana Jones is in this moment in time. That's a good point. There's just something off about that whole thing. Stuff has happened in his life that we discover, but... And I think they've squandered a really great opportunity What's he doing archaeology-wise? We don't know because that prologue that we now expect and love is him being uh, in the trunk of a car. The Russians have abducted him to find one of the crystal skulls at Area 51, right. which also is the mm-hmm. testing ground for that first or the series of first Los Alamos-type nuclear bomb situations. Right. That setup works for the bomb part with the mannequins and how weird everything is, the televisions are yeah. going and he doesn't know where he is. But then when he gets into the refrigerator and is thrown a half a mile in a refrigerator and then the, the violence of the refrigerator hitting the ground and tumbling and banging and banging, no human can survive that. No, we're not yeah. talking. And, and Indiana Jones is not supernatural. He finds himself in a supernatural world. Yeah. So when he gets out of that refrigerator and is like, uh, there's another groundhog, you know, another one, because we, <laughs> we needed three entries of groundhogs in this film for the kids, the Jar Jar Binks <laughs> bullshit that they were doing at the time. And George Lucas's name was on the thing. Did I you see the Happy Meal we toys? Did you go back and look at those? Say it again. Did you see the Happy Meal toy line? I'm sure show? that they were there. Yeah, there was right? lots of groundhog-based merch. <laughs> yeah. Groundhog merch. The and, and, and crystal skulls, too, yeah. I might buy a T-shirt with a groundhog on it, and it says bullshit with an arrow pointing at it. Um, the, 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 male, the male sidekick character that we've come to know that we're going to have, Max... The guy who's motivated by greed, who's at the end of the film putting necklaces on and trying to steal as much as possible. Uh, Horrible character. The villain, Kate Blanchett, uh, Spalco, horrible character. Kate Blanchett, a woman we admire, a woman that we have praised her work many, many times on this show. But did you see horrible character? It's interesting. I just read that article, though. You must have seen it where they tie this character is actually Lydia Tarr. They actually make the connection. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the grand. I have not seen that. that. No, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) She's just such an unattractive character. And I'm not talking about the Russian accent. I'm not talking talking about the haircut. I'm talking about just that. She's one of those characters in films that I despise where it's like an exposition, move it along character Mm -hmm. where her goals and Indy's goals are intersecting 
but she's the evil one clearly and he's the good one clearly and there's just no subtlety about anything in this no, movie no and then ultimately okay, so you the jocks versus greasers fight in the malt shop i love i like i like it a lot the action sequence the motorcycle chase away from there you know when the when the russians are following them and he's having to get on and off the motorcycle in and out of cars i like that a lot but then we get to that second big action sequence that, I, that I'm mentioning anyway, the car chase uh, through the woods, through the forest, where Mutt ends up swinging on vines like Tarzan. Yeah. And I'm just like, guys, no one, Spielberg didn't even like this when he was, you know, shooting it and then <laughs> handing it over to the editor. This is bad, bad, bad. Yeah. That was some bad CGI. There's that, 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 that might be a fun, um, real quick, Sean, sorry. That might be a function of 2008. But to choose to use it right. as no, your you, final you, product. To be able to see it and kind of know. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, we're yeah. going to talk about CGI for Dial of Destiny, I'm sure. I feel like also I went into, so it's interesting because I, I definitely didn't do a reappraisal of this and say, oh, I love it now. But there's a few things that I, I guess I didn't get the first time that I thought I didn't like. It's a great gruesome scene, but it doesn't make a lot of sense where one of the, one of the Russian sh- soldiers gets eaten by ants. I oh, yeah. their ants, yeah, right? I was say our, our and I'm like, well, I don't are... think that. Yeah, and it, it is kind of funny because I'll do this. I'll go, well, this movie where you know there are aliens, there's no such thing as ants that actually can consume an entire human. Oh, by the way, John Hurt's in this movie. I think <laughs> <laughs> um, he does something with the skull. Jim Broadbent is in this movie for like five minutes, four seconds. Yeah, yeah. is is. Is it even that long? I mean, it's just, it's so weird. You got Ray Winstone, John Hurt, Jim Broadbent, Kate Blanchett. And I mean, she's obviously in it a lot, but I mean, if you described a movie with this cast, you'd be like, wow, I don't really want to see that movie. And then it's like, yeah. well, maybe not. But <laughs> they really, it, there's some weird, weird choices made in it. And yes, the, the, I think it is a function of the bad CGI, but I don't think there's a world where even in, Indiana Jones physics, where you can really be swinging from vines the way uh, Mutt is doing. I don't really have, a, you know, I think the biggest, most divisive thing about this movie at the time was the fridge that gets nuked. Yeah. And I agree rewatching it. I mean, there's no way a human could survive that amount of bouncing or anything, uh, you know, when it blows up. I don't really have a problem with it on its face and it is kind of fun in that weird kind of 50s throwback sense but i feel like the relationships in this movie are very bizarre and there's a thing that happens i can't stand when they do this in a movie is like who is ox or oxley or you know john hurt's character this is someone who's never been referenced before and they don't do a good job of setting up this existing relationship i mean it would have made sense if it was you mentioned originally the vil- the villains at the open sequence the the in the, the utah sequence in uh, in uh, uh last crusade was originally yeah. going to be abner ravenwood okay that would make sense that's a character we've referenced before we have a context for him but you know the john hurt character and i don't know if i'm missing something from it but i i get that he was sort of a surrogate father too much Right, but it just—it seemed like there's this whole backstory that we're not that we're Maybe not getting too, yeah. at all. 
these relationships. Right. And w- w- when they find the cell that, that Oxley had been trapped in and Mutt gets very emotional. And then when Mutt and Oxley finally reunite, and understanding that Oxley is under the mind control of the aliens or whatever <laughs> is going on there, it, it it there's 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 not a payoff to that emotion. Uh, the the bad ADR in the film a lot that was noticeable when I was watching it this time around, and the supernatural element. Okay, aliens and the mind control, and they find the skull and that bad CGI of connecting the skull that was missing with the actual alien mm-hmm. skeleton, crystal skeleton, or whatever, and then all the aliens morphing together. Yeah. As Kate Blanchett is saying, tell me everything, tell me everything. And and I I don't know. This movie, it was just a bunch of interesting ideas executed poorly and a cash grab. I mean, like it feels like the cash grab that I don't know if it was successful at being or not. Well, I was going to say, it feels hastily put together in the way that, you know, when a movie's a hit, and the studios will say, especially back in the day, they'd say, we got to get a, a sequel out. And then you get a rushed sequel that's not very good. And there was no, I mean, nobody was even asking for this to be made. They had 20 <laughs> plus years. Yeah, they, and, did, they did a national survey and it was actually zero respondents. Yeah. said that there was <laughs> zero interest in this. I don't <laughs> care that it's, I think some people don't like that it's aliens. I mean, in a series where, people's faces melt off because of the 10 commandments or we find a thousand year old knight still alive. I don't care if there's aliens. It doesn't bother me. That's not the issue. It's just think about the fact that the way, the way the relationship works here is <laughs> I want oh, the next the Indiana way, Jones film to have them retrieving documents from Donald Trump's bathroom at Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> like that, that's the fucking Indiana Jones sequel that I want is his great grandson sneaking right. into Mar-a-Lago <laughs> through the air ducts to uh, <laughs> Mutt. Just somebody named Mutt, born <laughs> as Mutt. I well, we this franchise has totally been stamped with muttness. Yeah. I, I, I just can't get over that twenty-five-year-old. Here's your 25-year-old son that you've never met that I raised on my own. And damn you, Indy, for leaving me. (laughs) And like basically she like slaps him and goes, Oh, you. (laughs) You're such a you're such a I like you get married at the end of this movie. I liked the I liked I liked the I liked the quicksand scene. I liked the (laughs) snake being used as a rope. I, I thought that was fun indie stuff, but Oof, okay. Yeah, I, I you know, and uh, it doesn't make me hate Indiana Jones, but that that film is a chore to watch. It is. It is. It is. Yeah. So so many years later, uh, my second I movie. hate hating things. I want I always am rooting for the movie to be good. And so I'm not hate watching it. I'm not saying this is oh, this is the worst thing ever. It's just this seems like a couple of drafts away from being a pretty decent, fun, Agreed. not great, Agreed. but fun well movie. Said. Yeah, agreed. Well said. Okay, so, uh, wow, we are four films into a journey here, and we enjoyed, uh, over the course of the last two, the Maharaja IPA from Avery Brewing. I'm curious, got 10.0 ABV. I'm curious, guys, if this was um, more along the lines of a chilled monkey brains for you, or if it just totally (laughs) ripped your heart out. (laughs) And chilled monkey brains is the good one, right? That <laughs> yeah, looks delicious. I dig this one. I dig this one. It could be the, you know, the fact that now we've consumed like a lot of <laughs> alcohol because of the ABV on these things. But 
I definitely dig this one. But my my feeling is that I think what helps this one in, especially in contrast to Mercenary, is yeah. this it's not as sweet. It doesn't lean mm-hmm. as much on the malt. It has a lighter kind of body it to it. That it does, yeah, yeah. So to me, this is like if I'm putting the two side by side. I feel like this is the easier one to be sipping no on. Doubt. Yeah. No doubt. In fact, that they write dank on the can is interesting to me. We get into these little conversations about the advertising of the product. The mercenary was 10 times as dank as this one was. Uh, but that they're calling it dank gives you an expectation that I'm happy is unfulfilled, to be quite honest, because as right. our second entry in an IPA tour that we're taking today, because our next beer will be an IPA as well. Spoilers. Um, This one isn't better or worse than the first, but they are different enough to where if I'm drinking them in a flight, I'm enjoying the idea that I'm getting a lot of different things. This Avery Maharaja IPA is excellent uh, for what it's trying to be. Imperial versus double, David. Give us the rundown again. I always ask you this when it comes up. Imperial is a more generic term in the sense that anytime you go with a style and you start increasing the malt bill to an extent that you're generating a lot of sugar and you're getting like, you know, significantly higher alcohol by volume right. than you would with the regular version of that mm-hmm. style. That's where you get into imperial territory with certain beers like IPAs, but it really started with the Belgians. They would talk about just like doubling or tripling that malt bill. And right. so you talk about a double or a, a triple. Quantity to it. Exactly. Got it. That kind of should roughly equate to doubling the ABV or maybe, but it doesn't exactly. And here where we are with the 10%, this is what most people would probably classify as getting into that triple IPA mm-hmm. territory. Yeah. I knew the answer. I just like the rhetoricalness of uh, me yeah, asking there so to evoke conversation. Okay. So my God, it has been 15 years since a Indiana Jones movie. And we ended on a very dank low point. <laughs> what did they deliver in 2023? Set in 1969, when we come back, it's the Dial of Destiny. Hang tight. We're back. We're back. Oh, gosh. let's let's continue drinking some delicious beers. Uh, we're staying with the IPA, that, as Joe has said before, and now we're going to New York, though, to uh, catch up with our friends in Middletown, New York, at Equilibrium mm. Brewery. Um, they have for us today a Temporal Loops, which they describe as being a sour IPA with apricot, peach and select hops. The sour IPA, not something that we have a whole lot of on the show, True. but we've we've definitely had some. I'm excited to try this out. Equilibrium has certainly pleased us many times before. I love a good equilibrium. Yeah. And temporal loops make sense. Daredevil archaeologist Indiana Jones races against time to retrieve a legendary dial that can change the course of history. Accompanied by his goddaughter, he soon <laughs> finds himself what? squaring off against Jurgen Voller played by Mads Mickelson, the guy who we've talked about at least once on the show when we did the fantastic film about him staying. Uh, the drinking film. Yeah, what was yes. it Oh my gosh, I'm going to look it up. I'll look it up. Oh, um, anyway, he plays, yeah, we'll figure it out. Jurgen Voller, a former Nazi 
who works for NASA. This one is interesting. It's not directed by Steven Spielberg, the first of the five. It's yeah. not directed by the man himself. Yeah, first Jam- James Mangold, who's not a Wes Anderson or a PTA or a Spielberg where you might exactly know everything he's ever done. But look at, listen to a few of the uh, films on this guy's filmography. Girl Interrupted, Walk the Line, 310 to Yuma, Logan, a movie that I know we all like, Ford versus Ferrari. This is one of those... I can do anything filmmakers. Yeah. I can do all kinds of different things filmmakers who gets his hands on what we know Spielberg to usually do. Yeah, no, the, the, Mangold is, is sort of a reliable um, deliverer of goods, mm-hmm. I, I would say, based on the career that you're talking about. Um, it, it, starting out with indies, but but kind of quickly getting into to bigger studio films, taking over the franchise. Um, and here, like you say, Joe, um, coming... To us, uh, 15 years, right? About 15 years mm-hmm. later, after a film that really, for most fans, stunk. <laughs> kind of delivered a, a sort of death blow to the franchise, maybe. Like, okay, yeah. is this character even worth revisiting? But I think, at least for myself, like when you propose doing this, you know, the idea that, okay, it's been 15 years. Where would they take this now? What what are they going to do to try to bring the character into a different scenario and under the kind of passage of time that you'd have to calculate in? Sure. I was curious. I, w- I was at least curious. It, I, I did not push back. I, I, w- I, I didn't feel like that was a bad ask. And we had not done one Indiana Jones film on the show. No. That's a right that needed, a wrong that needed to be righted. I suppose. Yeah. I suppose you're right. Yeah. So the prologue, right? We're going to jump right into this film. It is a going back in time scene where we are on a train where Indiana Jones is and and Mads Mikkelsen's character, Voller, are looking for the dagger that pierced Christ when he was up on the cross. They find it. Now, finally bringing us into World War II, like yeah, the, the, right. the heart of World War II, for the the whole Nazi sure. Indiana Jones. That's concert. true. It's the first. It's always been a few years before, right. and now it's right in the middle. Mm-hmm. So they find this dagger, and both of them realize that it is a fake. But they also find half of the Dial of Destiny, a very intricate clockwork type piece that has been broken into by its uh, inventor Archimedes. Both of them, the archaeologists on the scene. Mm-hmm. realize exactly what they've gotten their hands on and begin fighting for it while a train barrels through uh, Germany. I loved it. <laughs> I loved the train scene, and we'll talk about the CGI. I loved when Indiana Jones is on top of the train and you hear the very first Raiders march. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, I loved it. I got chills. I elbowed my son uh, in the theater, and I thought, holy shit, we're going we're gonna to get there. This Did is gonna he wake a- up? Yeah, he woke up. Okay. And uh, he'd had a few beers at the Alamo and was just <laughs> firmly passive. Wake up, dude. They're playing. Dun, 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 dun. And I thought, oh my God, here we go. We're going to get it right. You know what I mean? With all the pieces he are saw in place. Saw gonna, oh, I don't want to telegraph too much, but yeah. we're going to get it right. What'd you guys think? We're off to the races in a brand new Indiana Jones film, Sean. Yeah, loved it. I mean, it, it 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 had a very vintage Indiana Jones feel. I mean, we're back to fighting Nazis. You and you can't go wrong with that. You know what I mean? Because there's <laughs> no, nothing. It, 
Body knocks yeah, is I mean, always the right thing to do. Yeah. And it it had that uh I mean, I think everybody loves a good World War II thriller. Um, you know, it it just uh yeah, you're in it instantly. Um, love the little like the little details. You know, he right away he's in a costume change. He he takes an officer's uh right. uniform. And the tell is, you know, he gets found out because they see the bullet hole from mm-hmm. when he shot the uh, the officer. Uh, we also get introduced to Toby Jones's character, whose name is sorry, trying <laughs> yeah, to no, <laughs> exactly. Nor nor can I. Toby no, Jones this is, is Shaw. Shaw, yes, Basil, love, Basil Shaw. I love seeing Toby Jones show up in this fits great in this sequence um you only see him for another flashback but obviously at some point you know passes away before we get right. into the real meat of the story but uh great fit uh for that we see a de-aged um mads M- uh, mickelson mm-hmm. uh, i guess he's de-aged right because I mean, he's definitely i, I think up, so right? yeah no i think so yeah um, but no, it's great. I mean, it's like we're firing on all cylinders. This is, uh, we got a hint of that in Crystal Skull when they're breaking into Area 51 and you see all the old crates and everything. It's like, okay, that kind of feels like the old thing, but then we go off on, you know, some weird, weird tangents. But this feels like, okay, now we're getting back to what we really, really like about Ian Jones, which is him. I like uh, fighting him going- the Nazis back and forth through the train through the nazis and having to like say oh shit okay i've got to i've got to continue this ruse in my uni- officer yeah. uniform and is it going to work until it doesn't i thought it was great we have to talk about the de-aging though because that's what twitter and everyone everything is talking about is how effectively it was done right. in the wake of the irishman and other films that we've talked about i think it works incredibly well in the darker sequences which a lot of this sequence is on the darker side there are a couple shots where it gets, so i imagine it's more into the like brighter especially at the end of it that I did start seeing. You can, you can see the creek. A, a little of it. Cracks. But in the darker shots, and that's what dominated in the early parts, it really felt pretty seamless to me, and I was going with it. Yeah, I, I, I forgive it. it. It's it's the height of the technology. I don't, if we're not going to get this technology right, let's stop using it, is my philosophy. But I, <laughs> for the sake of going back to Last Crusade and going into a flashback and trying to duplicate that and the story they're telling and when the dial was first captured and who captured it and getting it back and all of that. I, I liked it. I, I didn't mind it. It also works for a fast-paced sequence. You couldn't do that for a sustained period with quiet conversations in a well-lit room, but it works fine. I didn't really get taken out by it. I mean, I knew, obviously, he was de-aged. I, I would say, if anything, <laughs> the one thing that's a little odd is he seemed to look, they de-aged him a little bit too much in the I sense agree. that he looked younger than he did in, in Last Raiders or, La- so, or, or Temple. I mean, he yeah, should look a little bit more grizzled. I agree. Like they, I th- they really nail it when he goes to visit uh, Shaw again in his apartment uh, in terms mm-hmm. of the de-aging. Like, it, it's enough of him de-aged, but it doesn't look absurdly young and he doesn't look, it doesn't look plasticky. Uh, the way it does. They did do it through 
uh, masks molded from Harrison Ford's face, put on, Mm -hmm. worn by other actors, and then digitally, you know, digitized whatever magic they did to make it Harrison Ford recording the lines. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then into the meat of the movie, he's back at his school. And that's 1969 now. Retiring. We've just landed on the moon. So the day that we land on the moon is his last day of classes. And the kids in class are clearly distracted by this. Yeah, no, we don't have the adoring fans of Raiders of the Lost Ark. We we have the checked out. um, This is just another old professor on his way out. Right. Yeah. When his goddaughter walks in, this is... Toby Jones's daughter, who he has become goddaughter to. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is our female lead here, best known, I guess, with for Fleabag. Mm-hmm. And um, quickly double-crosses Indy, yeah. which you don't yeah. do. That's not a good idea. Now, I don't... Before we skip too Go far, ahead. just I want to make the point, this is the most down-and-out we ever see Indiana Jones oh, yeah. in yeah. the yeah. franchise, yeah. right? I mean, he's pouring booze into his coffee. Sean talked about how the first script was sort of... Uh, lightened up a bit they, mm-hmm. they they took away some of the rough edges here they kind of bring back the rough edge yeah. or, or put it in in a way that it's never been there well don't you get the idea that he is he he realizes he himself is a relic in this new time for know? sure and yeah. then i think what you come to learn a little bit later in the film about where his personal life has gone and that the son character who we've met in who, who we're Crystal happy to Skull. know the night. right has passed on. He was killed, um, he was killed in, killed in Vietnam. Yeah. yeah. I, it, way to go. I mean, if you could go back in time, what would you do differently? I told my son not to go to war. Yeah. Because he died. Yeah. So, and, the, and the grief that his mother felt yeah. was insurmountable to us saving our marriage. Yeah. And just like those family tones in Crusade, yeah. it totally worked for me. Yeah, it totally yeah. worked that 15 years later, the weight of real life has aged this man yeah. in addition to time ticking yeah. by. You know, they did cut the scene out, though, where they he went back even further and he said, actually, the day that his mother chose the name Mutt for him. Right. I knew really right. when Never I should have made yeah, this work. Right. But yeah, because Mutt is horrible <laughs> nickname. Worse than Indiana, if you think about it. <laughs> Well, Indiana was a dog name, yeah, so but, I guess they were trying to bring it all. Goddaughter is got gambling debts and and debts, and so she wants to steal this valuable piece, which Indiana Jones takes his goddaughter is straight a rogue. too. Uh, and she steals it from and him. She knows her stuff, but she's all about the money. She of she knows her archaeology and yes. her history, just but like she's Mac in it for the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the worst character ever in uh, Who? money and sex. She's into sex. <laughs> Yeah, she's, hold on, remind me because I I'm when she's on the boat and, and there's oh, like, she wants to get, oh, like, this looks good, this looks yeah, better, that good. looks perfect, you correct, know, like, correct, yeah, yeah. correct, correct, yeah. What's well, 1969? This is summer of love. Yeah, that leads Indiana Jones to do two things: retrieve the item that's been stolen from him that was handily stored in the vault of his class of his school, and can I protect this girl who is not, you know. Is not acting correctly. Yeah. Yeah. My goddaughter. You know, it's interesting because she's a child, not not his child, but goddaughter. And there's sort of um, did he did she learn the lessons of of the parent? It's like she learned some things from him, but it was some of the wrong lessons because you see some of the 
like the early Indiana Jones, like the Cavalier with sexual relationships, uh, the fortune and glory side. She's the she's Temple of Jones era Indiana Jones, not enlightened Last Crusade Indiana yeah. Jones. She has a lot of his trademarks. And, and he's that just she the man to teach her these lessons uh, that she needs. Uh, Indiana, uh, why is Antonio Banderas in this movie? A question. <laughs> I, He's another one of those global contacts. I, 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 that doesn't bother me. I, I think he was that's in it for fine. five minutes. Gets yeah, killed. but there's always going to be like some point of contact. Indy, we had great adventures together. Remember the adventures. I think he was just had? on vacation. And please, folks, watch. <laughs> he was on the vacation. Indiana in Jones Chronicles. Right. So that, yeah, <laughs> please watch Desperado. <laughs> uh, okay, he was so, just uh, Antonio Banderas was on vacation in greece and just they said <laughs> would you like to be in well, they a, needed in a, a boat Indiana and, Jones movie and it happened to be minutes. and yeah it happened to be antonio banderas's boat that yeah. they were using and he's like i have to be in the mm-hmm. film if you are going to use my boat okay so the, right he escapes from this campus where now rogue uh assassin cia agents are just killing people indiscriminately right on a horse through a parade with the moon landers or like yeah, celebrating it was a parade that, celebrating celebrating that we yeah. that we land on the there's moon. a parade celebrating but there's also a anti-war protest right and right. a lot of different things going on in that that on that street yeah so how, and how does he into does, the subway with the horse how does he get away he gets up on a cop's horse loved it yeah, loved it. Mm-hmm. Loved the ride through the subway that train. That was fun. Loved it. And this is where I think in this film, what really works for me is that unlike Crystal Skull and Mutt's little comments, they acknowledge his age. Right. I loved this about this movie is that they did not back away from, okay, he's going on another adventure, but he is 80, whatever Harris Ford, he's, he's 80 years old, whatever the character is. Cause 1969 temple of doom was 35. I'm doing some quick math in my head. <laughs> well, I'm factoring in ADV numbers that I've uh, had in between. So now we're uh, 35, uh, the thirties. Hey I Joe. Know. Yeah. Well, help Joe, me. do you, not know Indiana Jones's official birth date. I don't. Do you? Okay. Yeah, nineteen or eighteen ninety nine is the year he was born. Okay, so, so he, he would be 70, seventy years old or approaching yeah. seventy, ten years younger than Harrison Ford. But okay, so he's <laughs> creaking a little bit, and he knows that he is. And when he climbs mountains, he discusses the uh, God. My everything hurts, you know, like all of that. Yeah. I loved that they adopted that into this without trying to make him a superhero at the age that he is. I thought it was really, really well done. Yeah, right. The neck, the mid set piece is with Antonio Banderas when they go diving with the 1969 diving equipment. I loved that. Yeah, yeah. the eels attacking him as the snake uh, sure. moment in the film. Sean yeah. and I had a long conversation while we were reminiscing. We'll talk about why we got together in After Hours, uh, Dave Chappelle in Houston. But mm-hmm. ex-scuba divers, if you will, and oh. just like the notion of us being very aware of modern-day equipment, that 1969 diving equipment, was I thought it was just fascinating. Yeah. I also wondered during the movie, and, and I haven't looked it up yet, is is Antonio Banderas's method, is that scientifically accurate? Could you do that? I don't know exactly how deep they were going, but they were going pretty deep. Right. And to be able to come up um, in three. Oh, and I yeah. love a sequence, too, where they say you only have three minutes 
and they really kind of stick to it. I mean, I'm sure if you timed it, it would be a little bit longer than three minutes, but I love a uh, ticking clock and they, they adhere to the, the time. Going back to the horse in the subway, I knew the minute he got on the horse and went down the subway, he is going to run on the track and there's going to be a train coming opposite. He will get yeah. away and it will still be tense. I don't know how that works in our brains where we know that the hero is going to make it, but they, they, they do it right in this movie where you know it's going to be okay. Like they will, uh, he's, Indiana Jones is not going to drown while he's fetching right. the other piece uh, of the uh, dial destiny or whatever it is that we're the MacGuffin du jour that we're after. <laughs> there is a name of it. There's Arch- Archimedes. Yeah, not- it's like they, they give the official name, the R. I, does anybody remember what it was called? Uh, the real name of the device? I assume Dial of Destiny because that's the ticket that I bought. Right, but it has a fancy name. It's just Indiana it's Jones. The, the Dial. The I mean, I, I, I think it's just referred to as the Dial. So between those two set pieces is another uh, action sequence where they're in these little, what do you call these, kind of like tiny cars? They're three-wheeled rickshaw. cars. They're, they're motor rickshaw. Motor yeah. rickshaw. He called it tuk-tuk didn't he at the yes when he, the, i think okay. he does call it yeah. a tuk-tuk. god you yeah. have a good memory baby but taxis i felt taxis. this was um in the age of john wick and other action he films in 2023 that this was a little underwhelming uh, with everything oh, that we've seen fun. prior to that was fun we haven't mentioned that she the goddaughter has a sidekick a short round type sidekick mm-hmm. uh who you know, is, is a plot device more than anything large else. Large square is, is the name of large the Large square? Yeah. Okay. Short round, large uh, square. And every wow. time that Indy <laughs> went down into the caves and the tombs and all that, I just liked seeing it again, yeah. to be honest yeah. with you. Him in full yes. regalia, the, the bullwhip doing what it does. I, I, I just enjoyed seeing this. There were a lot of highs in this movie that I was so glad to see a few lows so when i rank them in after hours i bet you guys can guess where i'm sticking this thing but it's very gun fire heavy this film and a function mm-hmm. of 1969 that makes sense but indiana jones is slower and there's the dude should have gotten shot a dozen times like uh, you know that macgyver thing oh, where the on. gun it's, fire it, it, is all around yeah. jones is jones has always been a character cloaked in plot armor from day one of this series. I'm sorry, but no, always. If I'm not gonna, you're not gonna pick. Uh, and he says he's, he's been shot like nine times. Yeah, that's or, true. Or they, like that. before, that's before he gets shot again. You're making. Yeah, no, I I think from the very first frame of Raiders, you just have to accept this character is going to be shot and. and, and punched and kicked and what and every which way that would actually kill a mortal human being right and he is going to be able to bounce back well, I, he I certainly did hear uh sala comes back i enjoyed seeing him but the very convenient pop-ins i felt like um mads mickelson's character was so was able to pop in you know uh-huh. like this transport in when it was could plot convenient to do so and that makes me sad because it just it's a throwback to Raiders and Last Crusade and I suppose Temple being tighter scripts that didn't allow for that. There was or didn't need it. Yeah. Perhaps. They had to go big with the scope of this one. I was thoroughly entertained by this movie. Yeah. I, I really, really was. 
I, I think for me that this one does enough of the things that I want out of the franchise to make it a palatable ending to it. And sure. Let's hope it's an ending at let's, this let's point. Let's hope that it is. Um, because Crystal Skull, as we talked about just mm. before the break, was such a grand disappointment yeah. and remains such a grand disappointment that I, I feel like we needed something to end on. And I think what they did here was actually give us it, fans of the series, people who had grown up with it mm -hmm. and, and maybe th those people who we've damaged by bringing into the series who, who could have avoided it otherwise um, that they give us a, better, more appropriate kind of closure to the series with this film. I do think, like you say, Joe, I like that it embraces a little bit more of the aging stuff and I think a more honest way in, in, in a certain sense. I like that it <laughs> it does away with the mutt character in a somewhat respectable way and one that actually has like a almost like a little bit of commentary mm -hmm. on the, you know, again, yeah. like the... the the Vietnam War. Shia LaBeouf ain't coming back for the sequel. Right. That 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 it did that kind of nicely. Right. I like that it brings some closure to the Marion storyline. I like a lot of what happens in here. Does it make me crave another film? Absolutely not. Like no. I said, I hope that this is kind of the end to it. Yeah. I hope that they've, they've kind of delivered that. I kind of get a chuckle out of the fact that they bring the time travel element into it right right at the end. Sure, and, the supernatural this, we haven't discussed. Right. That becomes the thing that kind of helps capture it. And I like that I'm still kind of thinking through. This is, I'll, I'll give credit to the film. I think it does a pretty smart thing in that it shows him as this, he's a character who's obviously all along been obsessed with history, right? He's an archaeologist. Mm -hmm. He teaches these historical periods and these important events and moments in the in in early sort of prehistory and early human history and you see this kind of moment of connection with it where he wants to just okay this is what i've been looking for all my life just yeah. let me stay here well let's just quickly say when they put the two pieces of the dial together yeah. we learn that uh what archimedes did when he created it was the ability to find time portals that they fly through. fissures yeah. fissures in time or rather we should say thanks to equilibrium temporal loops perhaps there you go they fly through it and they're at the time of the roman siege on archimedes village and they fly into it and now you've got dragons the uh, ancients believe right. that are airplanes and uh, when they land they meet archimedes who we learn at that moment only created this so that you could find one temporal loop and that's to the time so that you could help me. Yeah. And they do. And Indiana Jones has, is shot, right? Yeah. And says, I just leave me here. This is what I, this is everything I've ever wanted. Yeah. And uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge punches him out and drags him back to modern, you know, 1969. Right. To reconnect. Did you think that he was going to, he was going to stay there? And die for for a fraction of a second. I did think that they were maybe going to let, this let that character end. Was like, oh, right. this character found right. this. I and we found a skeleton with a whip and a fedora back in the time when it shouldn't. And have I guess that's what I'm <laughs> I'm saying. I'm still chewing over is like, would that have been the better ending to have just left him as well, literally a relic of history? And this is getting into you know a different into the uh, Mangold's filmography not the film itself but you know with a uh, spoiler for logan but 
you know, Wolverine dies at the end and it's very poignant and it, it, it works. And he's been on record saying he's a little not happy that he's being, you know, resurrected for future movies. And that's a different discussion to have, but it, it sort of teed me up to assume I went into this movie assuming like, Oh yeah. Indy's not making it out of this. I mean, this, this is going to be this ultimate swan song. He's going to one way or another, he's going to die. You know, he gets, and it keeps happening you know, he gets shot, and you're like, okay, well, he's probably going to die now. Then they go back in time. Okay, he's probably going to stay there. But I am satisfied with the ending that they gave us. What is her nickname? And it, 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 he uses it a couple of times. Wombat? Yes. Uh, Phoebe uh, Waterbridge's yeah. uh, nickname for his goddaughter. She does make some some points that always ring, home, ring true with me. It's like, do you want to stay back here with medieval medicine and leeches and crap like that i mean no i mean this is not where you belong this doesn't make doesn't even make sense it'll ruin the timeline uh and, and change the future so let's let's get back how did y'all feel about the time travel element because that's always yeah. there's always a as joe pointed out there's always a supernatural component to this and i yeah. almost feel like people forget about it with raiders of lost ark it's like no they opened the ark of the oh, that was a big one yeah no it's yeah yeah yeah, it's like that's that's huge. And the other thing too is all these movies sort of, and I say proven quotes. They say, "Oh, uh, Christianity is yes, this is real. This ha- you know the Grail, you know, is really uh, Christ's cup, and you know the the Hindu gods are real, and space travel is, is or aliens are real. You know, so yeah, does this too far of a stretch in in terms of the supernatural? Uh, aspect of uh, of the film or does it fit within what we've experienced with other indie films i can understand why people have that complaint but i think it's poorly founded i mean as you've already pointed out there's always been this supernatural kind of intervention that happens in each of these films well the the, the, the relics dictate that that can exist right 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 and and to me that right. that this one goes in the direction of time travel that a an ancient philosopher had sort of somehow had this insight it doesn't bother me at all yeah at all. It, it bothered me at the beginning but i thought that they did it very well and when archimedes shows up and the battle's raging behind him that sem- that seemed like it could be a real thing. Yeah. And then the idea that there's a choice to stay or leave, I thought, I don't know, was icing on the cake that I didn't like the first bite of. But <laughs> at the end of the day, I did. But we also have to talk about the ending ending, and that is Indiana Jones is back in 1969. I alluded to earlier that he and his wife had had some marital problems. In fact, we had seen... Uh, the divorce decree that he mm-hmm. well, on his desk that he hadn't signed yet. But when uh, Phoebe Waller bridge, who has the biggest, I suppose, character arc uh, during the film realizes now it's not about fortune and glory. It's about other things. Retrieves Marion who comes in for a cameo at the very end. And they recreate the scene from Raiders of what hurts, what doesn't hurt. My elbow doesn't hurt. Kiss it. Yada, yada, yada. I got allergies, man. I got allergies <laughs> during that scene. Got I dusty. Lo- yeah. I got dusty in the theater. I loved that scene. I was curious what you guys thought. Was that a little too no, much I thought, of an exclamation I, point? I thought that was the right tone. I, I I loved it. I like the are you back 
and there's a lot of different ways. You ask him, are you yes, back? Yes, yes, yes. And it, 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 it leaves a I lot heard, of no, I, I heard you were back. But she said, are you, doesn't she ask him? I've only seen it once so far. Yeah, so I haven't memorized are you back? it. Yeah, yeah are no, you I know back? what you mean. She's what are you doing here? I heard like, you are back. you back? Is yeah. it really you? Yes, yeah. Right. The indie that I fell in love with. Yeah. So I got the sense that when he was explaining what he would change if he could change time, not that Marion didn't grieve the loss of her son, but what he was saying about her, he was really saying about him. That's what and I, got, that, I got that too. Yeah, I sort of felt like, yeah, like the divorce was happening because he could not move past his grief. And it wasn't it wasn't her that couldn't move past and continue mm-hmm. the relationship. It was him. Right. I have and the exact same. Are thought. you back? Have you yeah, okay, good. I'm not crazy. Yeah. But no, I liked was, it. Was, uh, I liked it a lot. It is interesting. What was the implication of him grabbing his hat at the end? I mean, I know it's a, a callback to, you know, the guy's hat. It's a gag. It's a callback to, I really film makes a billion plus dollars, then we are going to make a part <laughs> six. Right. Don't worry, folks. That's right. It's not going to happen. Indiana we don't have to Jones worry about it. The- well, I kind of got the, you know, if you stay long enough, they play, you can leave your hat on. So I thought maybe it was <laughs> particular fetish that they had. Sorry. My That's God. the ABV talking. It is um, a marathon and we're yeah. wrapping it up, but don't forget after hours, we'll be, we'll rank all of these, but you talked about ABV, uh, Sean, we took a step down. We're down to 7% ABV with this equilibrium, temporal loop, sour India, pale ale with apricot or apricot, peach, and select hops. A departure from the first two uh, beers. Sean, what, what did you think? Uh, I like it a lot. This is, uh, I, I love a sour. It's very good. And I'm drinking it a little bit too rapidly. So it's, uh, I give well, it a good a, rating. You have a 16 ounce can uh, there by yourself. Uh, David and I actually split this 16 ounces. David, is this a, a nice dessert almost beer for the episode? I think so. I actually, I mean, the sour IPA is a style that we don't often have on, on uh, the podcast. And it's, it's one that I feel like kind of had, there was a little flirtation where people were doing it for a few years back there, like maybe five or six years ago. And then it kind of died down because there there's ways to do it poorly. This, this one is not poorly done. This one is done very well. I think, you you know, as you would expect the citrus qualities of the hops, the apricot, the peach, there's kind of bright kind of juiciness to it. This is very tasty. I'm, I'm loving this. It's deliciously hazy as well. If you look at your glass, you can't see through this beer. I, I I thought this was a perfect way to cap off the episode, but, even beyond that, of the three beers that we had tonight, mm-hmm. if you asked me to buy another six pack, this would be the one. I think it would be. It's something. It's not gimmick, but it's it, that sour. This is a sour done right, exactly as you said, and it, it was delicious. The perfect blending it's, of fruit elements. Yeah, it's it's a well balanced sour IPA. Okay, well, yep. you know what, David and Sean. The best part about beer in a movie is that we can talk for recording time two hours about fantastic films. You'll, you'll trim it down to a tight beers. 75 minutes, I'm sure. Well, let's see. <laughs> Edit this thing down to, you know, 110. 
minutes. Um, the, the competition is not going to end. We're going to continue on After Hours. I've already said it a couple of times. It's patreon.com slash beer and a movie. That's where you can support us financially. It's not even a big price tag, but where you get, in my opinion, some of the funniest talk that we do when we all get together. So go check that out. I've already mentioned Discord. DM us on all the places you can find us. Facebook, Twitter, not so much, but Twitter and Instagram, <laughs> where we put out on Instagram and Facebook all kinds of fantastic information about what we're talking about every single week, interesting questions about what you're drinking, what you're watching. And uh, Sean, I just want to say thank you so much. Don't forget at our website, beerinamovie.com, beerinamovie.com, right? Is that what it is? Help me out. Podcast, beerinamoviepodcast.com. <laughs> it's been a long night, uh, David. Yeah. There's a lot of different words there and are. dot coms and, and things to know off the top of my head that I don't have right in front of me. But that that website, you're going to find our merch link where you can get yeah. t-shirts and mugs and all the good shit. Yeah, no, you're right. Beerinamoviepodcast.com. Yeah. yeah, that's what I said. For some curated list, all yeah, that stuff. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, we're going to put an icon up there about our Indiana Jones episode, which you just listened to. But until next time, I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.